welcome to another episode of Hands Around History, uh, our regular dive into all things from the past. Uh, my name is uh, Douglas Rattle. I'm uh, I'm Hugh Kennard. And uh, I tell you what, I hope you've pulled all the curtains and lowered the lights and lit a fire, if it's winter, and um, get ready for things that go bump in the night. Because this episode is all about what, Hugh? This week we're talking about the nonsense of hauntings, ghosts, carriages, scary nuns, werewolves. Now, I, I, I have to stop you there already, Hugh. I, I take it, by using the word nonsense, you are dismissing tales of the supernatural and the paranormal as nothing but bunkum and hokum. Well, I, I, think, um, I think once you look up, once you look into it, like with any real intelligence and gravitas, then uh, I find that most of it just can be explained with just dwarves under tables and like jam in blankets and just simple things like that, really. I mean, there is a certain element of truth in that, but I, I, I call myself a little bit more agnostic when it comes to ghosts and the, the supernatural. I'm open to the idea that when we die, it's not the end. It's merely crossing over to another plane of existence. I mean, you know, I'm not a religious man, but I do like the idea of ghosts. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to look through uh, a brief history of ghosts and the supernatural and uh, dissect and pull apart and piece together uh, what we can from what we have. So where do you want to start? Let me ask you something. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, and a charming depressed man, uh, said that we're, we're not evolved enough to see the other world. And ghosts, I like. I mean, do you really think that you're more evolved than me? And that you can see more because you have, you're willing to see them. I wouldn't like to say that I'm more evolved than you, Hugh. But I do know, because I've compared our prescriptions on our glasses, that I have a slightly weaker prescription. Uh, which means I have stronger vision than you. Um, which means, yes, in a sense, I can see more than you. And I think that in and of itself, that is proof enough that maybe there must be something beyond us both that we shouldn't dismiss out of hand. Am I evolved? I'm only as evolved as the next man. And if the next man is a believer, well, read into that what you will. I hope that answers your question. Well, I, I, I get accused of being a ghost myself by uh, my wife, Helena. She says I just drift around the house, scaring the twins and spooking the dog. So, uh... I mean, I suppose if you believe in ghosts, you can believe in me, Douglas. And I do believe in you, Hugh. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so let's let's crack on. Well, of course, ghosts, the stories of ghosts and hauntings are as old as the hills. Ancient folklore tells of supernatural activities of guardian spirits and, and demons, of course. But um, I think that what I want to talk about is, is when ghost sightings became recorded, when people would actually assess their veracity. Um, of course, uh, there are many tales of ghostly activities uh, throughout the British Isles. A very famous one from 1762 was the Cock Lane ghost in uh, Cock Lane in London, where there were tales of supernatural knockings uh, being made by a cock. Oh, uh, a knocking it, cock? It, a knocking cock, yes. A, a, uh, a, a, a chicken cock or some other form of cock? No, no, it was very much very much poultry. Oh, yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, the local sexton went down there, the police, um, to, uh, and it turned out to be utter nonsense. But what it did show was there was absolute appetite for the supernatural because it was all over the local, local newspapers at the time. I have an appetite for um, poultry, I have to say. 
Well, who doesn't like a, a Hunter's chicken? Well, you know? I, I can't stand Hunter's chicken. I don't think tomato and cheese and chicken goes very well. Give me a wing. Well, Hugh, you've always been much more of a caveman than I. Uh, but when we're next in the ne- in Weatherspoons, we, sh- we, we shall both partake of a Hunter's chicken and we'll see who, who has the last laugh. And it won't be the chicken. Talking of chickens, um, in Highgate in North London, uh, there is a, uh, which is a beautiful part of London, it's like a little sort of preserved village, a little time capsule outside of a hustle and bustle of metropolitan life. And there, there, there is in Highgate Village um, a, sorry, a small sorry, patch of green. Sorry, Dougie, can I just stop you there? I think you're pronouncing it wrong. I've been on the tube there, and uh, and the tube pronounces it Huggert. Huggert. Yes, it does, doesn't Huggert, it? Huggert. Huggert. Huggett. Yes. So uh, up in Huggett Villa, Huggett, Yes. But we, we digress. We always do this, you. The point I'm making is um, in, in Pond Square, this small patch of green at the top of Highgate Village. Huggett. Sorry, Huggett. Sorry, Huggett Village. Francis Bacon, not the um, not the pig faced artist, but the um, what is he? The 17th century, 16th century. I can't remember that Francis Bacon, the, the sort of philosopher. He owned a chicken which he tried to uh, reanimate after it had perished. And the reanimation experiment was a failure. But the ghost of the chicken is still said to haunt Pond Square. And I I can't think of anything more terrifying. It was stuffed with ice, wasn't it? Well, yes, which which was a strange strange way of of reanimating. Dougie, am I I being led to believe that you're more obsessed with poultry-based hauntings than other hauntings. Does that sort of get under your skin more, the fear of a spectral chicken or perhaps some form of goose creeping up behind you and uh, bleating? Yes, I, I, or... I can see why you'd think that. I can see why you'd think that, Hugh. Let's call it a, a poultry geist <laughs> or a poltergoose. Very good. Very good. <laughs> but I actually, no, I'm not really interested in that. What I'm really interested in is humans being involved. Um, because I think we can learn much more. If we can somehow look over some of the accounts of supernatural hauntings whereby humans have encountered ghostly humans, or said to, then maybe we can actually untap something about the human condition. Mm-hmm. And Do you uh, have anything and, about uh, chickens being haunted by humans? Um, let me have a look. Hold on. Mm, nope, oh. nope, nothing at okay. all. But that doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I mean, this isn't comprehensive by any means. No, and I want to point that out because we've got an email from um, uh, a Mr. J. J. Uh, Johnson in a, uh, from our previous episode, who was very annoyed um, that we didn't actually mention everything that's ever been said about the subject matter. Yeah. Uh, and all, all I can say to you, Mr. Johnson, is um, <laughs> there ain't enough hours in the day. <laughs> exactly. And also, I mean, when it comes to chicken hauntings, I mean, who can interview a chicken? Terry Nutkins? Oh, yes, of course. Or perhaps Percy He's Edwards. dead. Percy Edwards. Well, well, they're dead, you see. That'd be interesting. The ghost of Percy Edwards interviewing the ghost of a chicken. And I think that's that's a rather poignant point at which we move on. The thing about ghosts is they, they seem to be always accompanying some sort of message of ill will or a portent of doom or something. It's something rather terrifying about it. I, I mean, Hampton Court. We should mention Hampton Court shouldn't we? Um, which, is, of course, is a royal castle uh, by the Thames uh, in South London, uh, which is considered one of the most haunted sites in the British Isles um, because uh, it is, of course, where Henry VIII um, was known to, to run around the place. And he used to gorge himself on pigs, jackets and 
penguins, Anything. you know. The point is, Hampton Court is said to be haunted by no less than 548 of Henry VIII's wives. Good God, they must queue up like Well, Japanese absolutely, and apparently, if you were to spend the night in Hampton Court, and I have tried, but I was found out. I was hiding in a cupboard, waiting for the uh, place to close so I could then conduct my own research, and unfortunately, the security guard heard me coughing. Um, so he turfed me out. Um, anyway... That many ghostly women are said to parade the grounds with their heads under their arms. I don't understand why they have to carry their heads. I mean, why aren't they carrying like an arm? Or maybe somebody else's buttock? I mean, why are they obsessed with carrying well, their own heads? Very good point. I mean, what's, what very is it with point. the head? I've never heard of a ghost hopping around just holding his own leg. You know? No, and yet you would think because a lot of people had to lose their limbs in life due to, I don't know, a range of illnesses or amputations brought on by accident or injury, that there would be more dismembered ghosts just, as you say, hopping around or, or dragging themselves along the floor by their arm. Exactly. I think, like, thinking of the, the many people who are hung, drawn and quartered and their genitalia popped into their mouths, I'm surprised that they don't sort of go along in a little parade like the Seven Dwarves. Um, through like places like Hampton. absolutely, I mean, we all know that uh, on the site of what is now what is it um, at the end of Oxford Street, um, and there have been hundreds and hundreds of people executed on that spot, and it's it's soaked with the blood of traitors and murderers, who were as you say hung, drawn, and quartered. So imagine, why is that site of London not haunted by dismembered genitals, or or, or 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 the spooky sound of, of 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 someone's buttocks being just dragged along the floor. Actually, funnily enough, I tried to get on a bus at uh, Marble. Arch. Mm. This is quite spooky. Uh, I warn you. I went so uh, standing waiting for a bus at Marble Arch, and the mm. bus pulled up, and then the doors didn't open, and then it went away again, and I didn't get on that bus. And I've often thought perhaps that was a haunted bus. Dougie, perhaps it was haunted. That's why. And I never saw it. It turned a corner. Never saw that bus that again. That is spooky, isn't it? I mean, I told the story wrong. I've realised that a lot of the, uh, these people who like telling ghost stories, they love to say, but it's what happened next that really scared them. And what happened to you next? Well, in this instance, the bus drove off and I, and I had to wait for another one. I think I may have got an Uber. <laughs> Victorian age, I mean, it was the rise of what's known as modern spiritualism, which is the systematic organisation and investigation of paranormal subject matter. Spiritualism was, was, was influenced by a 17th century polymath called Immanuel Swedenborg, who pioneered a lot of um, really excellent Swedish meatball recipes that we still use to this day. But when he wasn't uh, experimenting with culinary uh, masterpieces. He was developing ideas of spiritualism, the idea of spirits and angels and, and ghosts from another plane. Is this, is this things like sales? Oh, yes. Um, You're getting ahead of me. Balls. You're getting ahead of me, but we're going to get on to that. Right. Absolutely. Um, no, 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 it's absolutely Sorry, fine, Hugh. Because you're right. Um, the seeds were sown by Swedenborg's research, and also the work of an 18th century Austrian physician called Franz Mesmer. He, the word mesmerism comes from Franz Mesmer. He pioneered this theory 
called fluidism, which is the idea of this fluidy, liquidy, gooey substance that connects this material world with the other world, the celestial world, the ghost realm. And he also came up with this idea of a dribbleism, which is the idea that when you see a ghost, you're so scared, you just dribble out of your mouth for a long period of time. And it, Wait a minute. You're talking well, about ectoplasm. You're ahead of me. You're ahead of me because ectoplasm was actually um, first coined as a term by a, a, a French scientist called Charles Richet in the late 19th century. He coined the phrase ectoplasm. Um, but uh, it's ectoplasm, of course, is, has been made popular by um, modern movies um, such as um, uh, Ghost Hunters. Um, Ghost Hunters 2, Wrath of Khan. And the Lady Ghost Hunters. I, I know a little about You do? Uh, ectoplasm. Oh, the floor is yours. There, there, there is a medium called uh, Helen Duncan in the uh, 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s. And uh, she would produce ectoplasm from her mouth. She would come pouring out this ectoplasm. And uh, there was a debunker I'm very, very keen on called Harry Price. Oh, Harry, Pre- Harry Price. He was a character. Uh, he uh, he investigated this ectoplasm squirting out of uh, Helen Duncan's lips and uh, discovered it was a cheesecloth well, one time. Another time he actually discovered it was just egg whites, you know, frothy. Ugh. And uh, another time it was a, a really quite a nice carbonara, uh, not with cream in, obviously. Awful. Uh, and, then, and then one of the last times that she tried to do it, it was proved to be a, a cycling helmet uh, that, that she uh, exhumed. From her own gob. Um, but Harry Price liked to say, this isn't ectoplasm. I mean, these are other things. Not ectoplasm. There may be something called ectoplasm, but it may be something as simple as a carbonara. That's fascinating, isn't it? Because that probably goes back to the culinary theme of uh, Emmanuel Swedenborg and his uh, and his Swedish meatballs, yes. Uh, but, but nevertheless, it stuck, didn't it? And, and, and I, I want to talk a bit more about Price. But let's 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 not leap ahead to the twentieth century yet, because there's much to explore about the nineteenth century and this this ghost movement. There was this concept I don't know if you know about this of ghost flash mobs. It was a craze that uh, reached its zenith in the in the nineteenth century, but it has precedence in previous centuries, um, whereby there would be rumours of a particular sighting of a ghost in a house, and it would cause utter uproar in the community and. Uh, this was before the time of social media, so it's not like you could just go on on Twitter and say, hello, we better go down to this house. There's a ghost. Come on, lads. It was before that time, so Lord knows how they did it, but hundreds and hundreds of people would swarm onto a site and just stand outside and drop their trousers and flash the ghost. Can you imagine how terrifying it must be to see a swarm of Victorian buttocks outside some Bermondsey tenement? I mean, I mean, this is the trouble. I mean, the Victorians didn't know how to queue, did they? They'd always swarm whether they were naked yes, or not. Yes, and I, and I think it was only a 20th century sensibility that, 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 uh, that enabled us to learn how to, how to queue and, and become leaders in the field on a global scale. This is one of my problems with ghosts, really. I mean, there's, there's the seance where you invite them in, or then there's ghosts where you don't invite them and they just tend to interrupt and make people jump, which is just jolly rude. Whereas a seance, people would invite ghosts to join them, which is a lot more civilised, and perhaps they could queue up outside the dining room or wherever you're having a seance, perhaps the garage, and um, and then you invite them, which is a lot better. My my mother, uh, a very tall woman, which is all you, you need to know, really, about her, 
she, she had a seance when we lost our cat. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't really care for the cat. It was called Hugh as well. And so when she called for us, we, nobody, me and the cat would look at each other and go, do you think it's you, Hugh? And neither of us knew which one of us should go, you know. So, uh, yeah, we had this seance for uh, Hugh, the cat. And she said, Hugh, are you there? And I, yes, Mama, I'm here. But uh, she meant the cat. And then, and then we sat around the table. And then the medium who we had there, she mewed. She mewed. She went, Hugh? Like Hugh, a Hugh mew. She said, and uh, and we managed to invite the spirit of Hugh the cat back into our lives for oh, what just a few more minutes, uh, and then you know we just left it to rot in the garden. Well, I wonder if you exhumed the cat, you you would have actually probably put its restless spirit uh, at peace. The seances were, were a very interesting way of bringing the living. Uh, closer to the dead, pulling back the veil and maybe sorting out some sort of grievance. For instance, you could be having a seance where uh, you needed to know where father had buried the family jewels because you were now deeply in debt and needed to provide yourself with some instant funds to get yourself out of insolvency. Now, talking to dead father through the medium of a medium is a very good way of finding out where he hid the jewels. So they would sit round in a group and they would touch their fingers together and the medium would go, are you there? Are you there? And if the person was there, they... I'm here, yes. Yeah, is there something wrong with my no, technology? No, 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 no. I'm being the medium. Can you hear me? I'm being the medium. Dougie? Hugh? Hugh? Are you there? Hugh! I've got you. I've got you. This is just like when we tried to do those Zoom lectures. It reminds me a lot of the seance where we spoke to uh, Hugh the Cat, actually. A, a lot of that was the well, medium just going, who's there? Is there something wrong with the technology? Well, this is the thing. It's an unreliable medium, isn't it? And there's nothing worse than actually having an unreliable medium because there were a lot of fraudsters and chances around. I want to talk to you, actually, on the subject about the Hydesville Rappings, um, which was a hip-hop group that were formed in 1848 called the Fox Sisters. And basically, they uh, were this... Methodist community in uh, Hydesville um, in America and these uh, Fox sisters uh, I think there were three of them they uh, they would suddenly without any warning start rapping East, was that East Coast or West Coast? Um, it was East Coast but this was this was, uh, this was it's funny because I would have thought West Coast would lend itself more because of that that sort of whistling that they have sounds an awful lot like Spooky Wind in, it does doesn't sound like spooky wind, but 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 it's not spooky wind. Uh, um, spooky spooky wind didn't form for another hundred and forty years, uh, and this is one hundred and forty years before psychedelia, psychedelia or the Sugar Hill Gang mm. or Grandmaster Flash or anything like mm. that. But the Hydesville rappings were were believed to be the Fox Sisters being possessed by ghosts, oh. and it became a huge media sensation, and they became minor celebrities and the fox sisters with their wrappings would tour all around america they would even come over to the uk and they would perform their wrapping it was then discovered though that they were actually fraudsters and it wasn't the ghost wrapping it was just them doing it oh clever well i mean How did, you know, however I, did they uncover that 
Well, because what they would do is they would hide a beatbox machine underneath their, their petticoats. And uh, they actually employed members from the uh, Society of the Psychical Research, um, the uh, SPR. Well, actually, the American Society of the Psychical Research, which is the ASPR, to uh, conduct... Oh, I like listening to that. It helps me sleep. Yes, it's very good, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's very. It's that quiet whispering, isn't it? And people eating biscuits. Yeah, um, I, I love listening to ghosts eating biscuits. Really help me sleep. Yes, 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 um, yes. A haunted custard cream. Um, so the ASBR were investigating the Fox sisters and discovered that they were putting it on themselves by having a beatbox hidden underneath their petticoats. And once they were found out, their careers were over. They descended into alcoholism and they died penniless and drunk. Oh, much like Millie Vanilli. They were like precursors of Millie Vanilli. Very much, very much so, and I think yeah. that history repeats itself, as we know. Well, it doesn't repeat itself; there are echoes, I believe. I do like this international approach you have to history, as if it happened everywhere and not just in Britain. I think that's very, very fascinating. I, I understand. I've I've heard about the Brocken experiment, you see, which was uh, in Germany or Austria or one of those. Yes. And uh, they, they, those uh, people on the continent attempted to use uh, black magic, you see. Now, for the benefit for the benefit of our listeners, um, yeah. could you tell us a little bit about black magic? What is that? Well, yes. I mean, there's purple magic, which is a lot more sort of velvety. And then there's uh, your white magic, which is rather blank and crude. And then there's black magic, which involves upside down things and uh, stars and uh, goats, goat heads and uh, sheep heads, llama heads, alpaca heads, depending on where you are, really. I mean, whatever sort of thing that choose the cud's head that you can get hold of, then that's sort of what you worship. I mean that's what I'm led to believe. I, I'm not I'm not really satanic. Ungulates. I they seem ungulate is the phrase. Or uh, cloven hooved animals are known as ungulates. Well I've I have i have had ungulates. Well then you'll know that an ungulate is clearly somehow connected with, with black magic. Are you speaking Spanish? Is that is that Spanish you're speaking? Ungulate? Is that, is that uh, no, Spanish no, it's a, it's a technical term for all animals with cloven hooves. I'm not interested in technical stuff. You know that. I'm a historian. <laughs> Who needs technical? So, um, yeah, the, the Brocken experiment, if I may go on. Please do, uh, sorry. Yeah, it, yeah. It, they use black magic, which I think I've outlined quite clearly now, to, uh, to change a goat into a man. Right. Change a goat, goat... Into a, I don't know. Is that an umglump? I'm a hufflump. What was the word? Ungulate. Ungulate. Yes. Uh, ungulate. Yes. Right. Yeah. They tried to change an ungulate into a man or a Homo sapiens. Um, it was unsuccessful uh, because obviously uh, black magic didn't work. Um, yeah, they weren't technical enough, I suppose. Uh, so then they tried to turn a, a cauliflower into a hat. And uh, they tried to turn a, a tablecloth into a um, suburb of Croydon. All unsuccessful. All of it. That's fascinating, isn't it? That it was. It just didn't. None of it worked. Mm, no, exactly. I mean, I don't try things if it's not going to work. I haven't tried any vegetable that's not green for like three or four years because I just don't really believe in it. No, but that was your great broccoli experiment, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, florets in your mouth. Well, I think you would have been actually in good company then with these uh, Victorian uh, supernatural societies that were set up to investigate paranormal uh, happenings. Um, I already mentioned the Society for the uh, Psychical Research. No, sorry, I stammered a bit. There's a Society for the Psychical Research. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, there were uh, several founders, a man called Myers, 
uh, a man called Sidgwick. And interestingly, William James, who is the a brother of Henry James, who wrote one of the most famous ghost stories of all time, Turn of the Screw, in 1898. Anyway, these these men got together. And, and, and it was about what's... carpentry, wasn't it? Was that about the, whole, the scary carpenter? Yes, absolutely. It was about yeah. the man, man who was bludgeoned to death by a Phillips head screwdriver. That's right, yeah. Yes. Um, oh. and, uh, and, and they say that the ghost of Philip, with his head under his arm, can be seen walking through the corridors of the manor and it's chilling chilling well, I don't know I think it's all dwarves under tables with jams in blankets yes jams yes blankets. Hugh but it's what happens next that's oh. so chilling oh it's chilling oh now you've got me well it turns out that um, the Society for Psychical Research which is still going by the way you can join it go online you can join it I don't want I to I think it's called sbr.org and you can join them today I don't want to well, I mean, well don't then Oh, but I'm just okay. saying, if, if if you wanted to, and some of our viewers might want to, because they have mm. lectures, they have presentations, they have online talks, uh, discussions, uh, merchandise. You can buy a little T-shirt that says, I'm for ghosts, are you? Um, oh, they do T-shirts? They do T-shirts, mugs, oh, oh, pencil maybe. cases, um, horse brasses, which I've always thought was a bit esoteric, but they still do I, that. I, I don't know if I have the arms for T-shirts or the fireplace for horse brasses. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? But, you know, the fact that the SPR is still going shows there is still an appetite for ghosts. Um, and there were many other societies at the time. Uh, there was the SPR. There was the BNAS. Um, what does that stand for? Uh, the the British... Um, <laughs> National know. Association of Spooks. I think it's the, it's the British... <laughs> yes, British... Uh, National Alliance of Spooks or something, yes. Yeah, then there yeah. was the BATS, or BATS... Uh, which was the British Alliance uh, towards spooks. Uh-huh. Then there was the SPAM, which was the Society for Psychical and Monsters. And there was the TWAT. This all sounds like B-A-L-L-S to me. What a uh, No, I'm, I, it's, oh. all, it's all true, Hugh. You know this. You can look it up. It's on the internet. Anyway, let's move on, because the Victorian age didn't suddenly end our fascination with the ghosts. And as you touched on earlier, in the early 20th century, there was this man, this enigma wrapped in a conundrum, wrapped in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a jacket. Jumper. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, Harry Price. And he investigated uh, a place called Borley Rectory, um, which is in uh, North Essex in the southeast of England. Tell us more about Borley Rectory and Harry Price. I mean, the name's quite evocative itself, isn't it? Built in 1862, burnt down 1939. It was supposed to burn down a year earlier, according to a seance, but they got the date wrong, unfortunately. They got the sell-by date a little wrong. Uh, it was a bit haunted, and then more haunted after Harry Price went there himself to check it all out. Uh, now, there's rumours, or legend has it, as uh, Ghost Times like to say, it was built on a, a Benedictine monastery in 1362. But that's bollocks. And uh, I don't understand why they've got a year in as well, because there's no monastery there. And 1362 has nothing to do with it. Just numbers, really. Just numbers. Uh, and according to uh, folklore, a monk fell in love with a nun. Oh, it's a timeless story, isn't it? Well, exactly. And, and in the 1300s, I mean, when we say fall in love, we actually mean uh, sodomy. Uh and so, due to the crime of the monk sodomizing the nun, uh, the nun was bricked up. 
Uh, I, I think the the monk was, well, that was so, sorry. The nun was was that what the nun was constipated? No, 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 no. She was encased in wool. Oh, bricked well, up. You see, that's a bricked grisly up. fate. That's the kind of fate that Mister Edgar Allan Poe would relish writing about. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, obviously the the sentence of being bricked up for sodomy was uh, continued into the early seventies uh, in the UK. Um, so yes, yeah, so so apparently this uh, this nun didn't like it much. Uh, so she decided to stick around as a spirit, and uh, and scared the families that lived in the uh, rectory that was built on the site of the non-existent monastery. So she so she was a rude ghost, one one of the rude ones, not not one of the nice ones that gets invited into your home for a sale. This is something that does me with ghosts. Why do they always sit at the foot of the bed? Why are people always waking up to find a ghost at the foot of their bed? Why don't they wait until people are up and ready and had their coffee and like? see them at the breakfast counter. I mean, why at the foot of the bed? Why are they next to it? Are they scared of tea's mates? I have, an answer, I have an answer for this, actually, um, mm. Hugh. Go ahead. Um, in, the, in the olden days, um, bedrooms were very, very small. So there was no room um, to fling a cat, uh, dead or otherwise. No. Um, they stand at the end of the bed because there's nowhere else for them to stand. And well, didn't they have room for, like, a bedside cabinet? Where did they keep their Yes, but that's, but that's where, that's where the pens. beds... Hugh, listen to yourself. Oh. That's where the bedside cabinet was. You couldn't have a ghost, oh. couldn't stand there. It's basic, basic displacement theory. I mean, any physicist will tell you that, you know, two objects can't occupy the same physical space, supernatural or otherwise. I'm not technical. I've said this already. I'm not technical, Dougie. Well, this is why you need to listen to me on these things. Mm. I, I, I'm rather lucky, you know, because uh, Helena weren't really sleep with me in the same bed anymore and so I have quite a lot of room in my bed now and I've got like both of the bedside cabinets I can use them both so I've got a lot of books I haven't read on either side now and uh and sometimes I leave like a mug uh, on the side for for a while and nobody comes and gets it and and then I just bring in another mug and have it on the other side it's quite the luxury actually I didn't think it would be when I moved into the spare bedroom but it's actually really nice really Hugh, nice Hugh mm-hmm. We're off topic again. Oh, sorry. We're off price. Bawley yes. Rectory. Yes, Bawley Rectory. Got it. Yeah. So, um, in 1900, mm. the Bulls uh, moved in. That's not another ugulate, umbilate, Hadfruit. It's a family called the Bulls. They moved in. Keep seeing the nun wandering around the garden. Now, why should they didn't see her in a wall? Probably because she was in a wall, and you can't see her walls. Um, and so they kept seeing this nun just pottering about in the garden. Um, and uh, she sort of became part of the family, really. And I think, I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, listeners can uh, correct me if they want, but I think this is what the sound of music's based on, you see. Family who let a nun in, and uh, then they start wearing curtains. And uh, I think they changed it from escaping ghosts to escaping Nazis because they're very much the same thing, except one of them do exist. So, anyway, uh, uh, yeah, so sound of music, Pauly Rectory. Um, they're, they're nuns potted about and uh, and then servant bells rang and the servants would run and say yes and people would say we didn't ask you to come in here get out you awful commoner take your tea with you we don't need nothing take the tray away they'd say and then uh, they found a skull which isn't nice uh, and they could hear footsteps when people weren't footstepping or tap dancing or anything with their feet and then sometimes people left lights on Ooh, which that's, I, that's, I mean, don't that's... know about you. I'm turning off the light. 
lights after the twins and held all the time around the home. Oh, Lord, don't... Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's... Sometimes I think it's my job. I think they actually think I'm employed just to turn off lights around the house. Um, Yeah, so then um, the balls didn't like that much, uh, so they buggered off. Then the Smiths moved in, not the band. Another family, Smiths, they moved in. And they said, oh, bloody haunted here, isn't it? And they they called in Harry, Harry Price, the uh, investigator. And now he arrived. Vases started smashing. Windows started cracking. He's a very clumsy man. Very clumsy. For the benefit of our listeners, who who was he? Where did he come from? Why did he have authority to investigate ghosts? He was a man called Harry Price, see? And uh, he decided, because they didn't have uh, GCSEs in hauntings, seances, and uh, so he basically declared himself uh, a debunker. I think they may have had GCSEs in debunkery. I think Houdini did one. Um... And so he was a debunker of Dwarves Under Table, Jamming Blankets and uh, all of the other things that people used mm. to pretend. Like, he would have he would have known about the Fox Sisters and their boomboxes and their petticoats, for sure. He's very astute, mm. as most debunkers were. He was mm. astute. I mean, he... Uh, uh, I'll get off poorly just for a minute. He also... Uh, he, he investigated Geth, which was uh, on the Iron Geth? Man. You know, Geth. It may be called Jeff. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. At the Isle of Man, I mean, keeping it international. On the Isle of Man, there was a family called the Irving family. And uh, they came across a talking mongoose called Geff. Maybe, I think perhaps mongoose is if they talk, have trouble saying J. J. So they would have called it Games if it was James. Well, that's or... well, they are called a mongoose. They're not called a mongoose, are they? Oh, exactly. Yes, exactly. So maybe Brilliant. maybe all G's for mongoose are hard. I think I don't think it's mongoose. I think it's mongoose eye. Oh, okay. Um, so they so they had this talking mongoose who uh, he uh, he said actually I I quite like a big cat, and so he scared off the mice, and uh, he asked how people were, you know, and um, commented on the girl's makeup and said, oh you look nice today. Or, Have you crimped your hair this morning? And uh, it was quite quite pleasant. Um, and people started saying shut up. And they well I think they said come. Come, people of the Isle of Man, the Manxes. Come and see. They are Geff. They are talking mongoose. People turn up, but Geff didn't want to see them. But, Ge- but, but, but Geff isn't a ghost, though, is he? I don't think if any. I don't know if anyone asked him if he was a ghost or not. So he might have been. Well, I suppose if you're so shocked that you've heard a mongoose talk, you you probably don't stick around to ask the next question, which would be, are you alive or are you dead? Well, this is the thing, see. What, what Harry did, very clever, he said, right, if nobody's seen this mongoose called Geth, I want some fur, he said. Give me some mongoose fur. And so they said some uh, fur, the Irving family. I don't know if they shaved it off or cut it, trimmed or nail scissors. Don't know how they got it. Uh, they sent it to Harry Price and he cleverly gave it to somebody else to look at. And they said, this, this is a dog. So it turns out it wasn't a talking mongoose at all talking dog which is far more uh, normal i think so yeah yes absolutely yeah, um, i mean i've seen a dog say sausages on uh, that's life in the 70s what are they what that's chilling if anything is oh, that was chilling wasn't it so yeah so that uh, yeah harry price he he was debunking he was debunking, debunking and he everything. was sent to borley rectory in essex one of the yeah. most haunted sites mm. in the united kingdom soon as he arrived time. soon as he arrived oh 
everything went crazy. They weren't just nuns wandering around the gardens anymore. Now vases, vases, windows, all the stuff. Smashing. Wandering around the garden? What, vases and windows wandering around the garden? Haunting, isn't it? Haunting. Oh, that's chilling. And uh, and then stones started flying about, hitting people on the head. And it was like, oh, this must be a poltergeist as well as a nun. And then somebody said, this, this can't be true. And they grabbed Harry Price and they found his pockets full of stones. Which is funny, because I guess the, the poltergeist must have put them in there. Um, it must have done. There's no other. There's no other explanation for it. Well, no, definitely not. And uh, and so the Smiths who were living there then said, oh, "I don't like this." And uh, and so they decided to leave. And then the Fosters moved in, and they said, "Oh, we've, we've got the walking vases, we've got the nuns, we've got the stones, and we've got the footsteps." Very scary. And Mister Foster was terrified. Wouldn't leave his bedroom. And Missus um, Foster would leave the bedroom. And uh, it was found out a few years later, she admitted that there weren't actually walking vases or nuns or footsteps. Uh, she'd made it all up. Oh, that's disappointing. It is, isn't that's it? That's disappointing. She was, uh, essentially, she admitted she was banging Mr. Peerless, the lodger. By banging, I mean sodomy, probably. Uh, I think that's the sort of theme of the rectory or erectory, if you will. Or, rect- or rectumary. And then... Uh, People lost interest in the rectory, so it burnt down. Uh, after it burnt down, um, they demolished it because there were still some bricks. And when they demolished it, you know what they found? What, what did they, they found? What did they find, Hugh? Bones. They found bones. Bones. Found bones. Yeah, yeah. They weren't Human none bones. bones. They weren't none bones. All bars bones. They were. Uh, uh, well, I think they were pig bones. Or, 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 or well, there's no, co- there's no connection, is there? I mean, there's no, there's no. Y- y- your none bone is not connected to your vase bone. And I don't. I think. I think the technical word. I can get technical when I want to. You know, uh, the technical word for a pig bones is pork chops. See? So it was a haunted pork chop in in the in the basement of the rectory. Isn't it funny how it all comes back to food? Mm. If, if it's not a cheesecloth yes. or an egg white, if it's not Swedish Swedish meatball, it's mm. it's 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 pork chops, and 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 it's a a, a, a chicken, haunting Pond Square in Highgate. Use the popular book Scroogey about Michael hating puppetry. Doesn't Charles Dickens say, "Have Scrooge say you're not a ghost, you're gravy"? He does. He says there's more of gravy than of grave to you, sir, doesn't he? Oh, gravy, pork chops, meatballs, chicken. This sounds like a slap-up meal to me. Uh, certainly one you would enjoy at Christmas, along with a ghost story. <laughs> why, why, why are they so popular at Christmas then, do you think? Well, I, I'll tell you why. Basically, before the Queen or the King's speech was being broadcast, before the days of broadcast, we didn't have anything to, to not listen to. They just used to shout, didn't they? Who? Kings and the Queens, just you yes, shout. Yes, yes, yes. Before broadcasting, the, the King would stand on the balcony of Buckingham Palace and just bellow across London. And that would be his speech. And if you were passing by, it was at best disconcerting. And if you were further away than, I suppose, a mile, it was entirely redundant. But mm. they did, and that's why they invented um, uh, broadcasting equipment um, and radio, because the royal family were sick of just becoming hoarse yeah. from screaming at Christmas. We were tiring the royalty. 
Exactly. And yeah. it's always been the way. The royal family have always had a hand in uh, manipulating the press. We know this to be true. But at Christmas time, it was all about coming together. The, the days were getting shorter. The nights were longer. And people in the olden days literally had nothing to do but share stories. And when the light is low and the candles are flickering and the fire is roaring and sparkling in the hearth, there's no better story than a ghost story. I think it's about time we wrap this up because I, there's, this has just basically been a little, a little dive into the shallow end of ghosts and the history of hauntings. Um, we may return to this in another episode. There's so much more to talk about. I mean, just looking at my list here, we haven't talked about the ghost of St. Barnabas and the Swithins, who was a, um, a haunted maple tree. We haven't talked about the ghost ship of Motley Bay, which was this ghost ship in Motley Bay. Um, well, so, all this talk about hauntings made me hungry. I, you know what? I think we should probably have. A, why don't we go afterwards and actually have uh, that uh, that hunter's chicken in the I moon underwater? I really don't want it. I really okay, don't we, want it. We, 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 we're clearly not. I don't want you to order for me anymore, Dougie. We're not going to agree about this, Hugh. I don't so, want you to order for me. It's embarrassing, especially in the wind spoons. Uh, you're right. Um, uh, we, we'd like to point out, though, that other. Um, Brexit supporting pubs are available. So I think on that bombshell, we will leave today's uh, episode. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you like, thank you for you... listening. No, thank you for listening. No, thank you. Thank both of us. No. Uh, if you like what you heard, please remember to like and subscribe um, to our series. Uh, you can download this anywhere where you get podcasts, but you know that because you're listening to it on one now. If not, how did you get this? That's spooky. Oh chilling so thank you very much and um we'll see you next time for more tales from the past through the lens of the present take care very good goodbye for now take care bye for now take care Thank you.